moment a word of prayer, please. Father, we thank you for this time of joining together here on Zoom. Thank you for the technology that's available. And so we uh, happily take advantage of it this morning. We ask your blessing upon John. Uh, thank you for the preparation that he's made. Thank you for his love and care for us at Northern Hills, his desire to be with us. And so this is the way we're meeting at this time, Lord. We pray for those who are affected by uh, the COVID virus. Uh, we pray for the folks that are in John's assembly back in Iowa and for others at the Christian school and other in the, others in the circle of uh, friends that he has, uh, believers, and just ask your care upon them. I pray for Dave Stauffer, my former principal, who is still in the hospital with COVID, Lord. Help us during this time to look to you and to draw our strength from you, dear God. We ask for your blessing now as John continues to take us on in these different marks of the Christian life and look forward to his instruction today. We pray this all in the precious and wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, John, as you continue to lead us in the lesson today. Looking forward to it very much. Thank you, Brother Phil. Good morning, everyone. Good Saturday morning to each of you. I just want to make sure you understand and know that I completely get why many of your cameras might not be on today. And so feel free to keep those off um, as needed or desired. Uh, many may still be in their uh, pajamas. And, and what, a, what, a, what a freedom we have with this Zoom technology, right? But uh, it is great to see uh, it is great to see many of your faces again, and uh, I couldn't be more thrilled about the privilege of connecting with you all uh, this weekend. Um, I would have been willing to stay in my office for hours last night. I was very encouraged uh, as we looked at God's word together, and I trust that mutual encouragement will abound in our in our sessions together. I appreciate uh, appreciate it, your prayer, Phil, especially for those struggling with COVID. We did receive word last night um, that uh, a dear sister who has uh, walked with the Lord uh, for decades named Helena Fleming. Some of you know Helena Fleming. Uh, looks like she as well uh, is coming down with the virus. She's married to Ken Fleming. Ken also has the virus. Uh, and Ken's brother, uh, Pete Fleming, was one of the uh, five martyrs uh, in Ecuador. And so uh, there's the connection with the Fleming family. I know many of you know that name, uh, but Helena Fleming, uh, married to Ken Fleming, they both apparently have the virus right now. We'd ask that you'd pray for them, especially they are they are very frail in their in their 90s, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they have walked with the Lord for uh, decades, and we'd appreciate your prayers for them. Uh, I think I might have mentioned uh, my friend, at least maybe to Chris, we were talking about uh, my dear friend Steve Witter, uh, and Steve texted me this morning, and his, his COVID test came back uh, positive as well, and so he would appreciate your prayers. Numerous more I can mention uh, that you would know by name who are struggling right now. And so I know that's not a unique reality for us here in Dubuque, 
so we would continue to pray for you and your health in every respect. We'd ask that you do the same uh, for us here. It's a season of being careful and considerate and cautious, isn't it? It surely is. We began our series last night, my friends, and uh, let me just quickly remind you of where we are heading and why. Uh, we looked briefly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. Why did we do that? So we could be reminded of a group of people that with confidence were able to say, we walked worthy. We lived the way a believer should live. We evidenced and uh, demonstrated the characteristics or marks of really the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul emphasized that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. And we saw that repeated phrase, just as you know, or but we proved, or as you know. They were defending their ministry and they were saying, yes, indeed, we truly lived the way believers ought to live. And we looked like a believer ought to look. They were an example of those who are marked for life. That's our theme for the weekend, marked for life. What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ walking worthy in a culture of chaos? Marked for life. What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ walking worthy in a culture of chaos? We also look briefly at 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I won't reference these every session by way of review, but we were reminded that in the midst of all that is before us, we need to be praying. That's one thing that is not restricted, that can't be quarantined is our prayer life. And so we need to be committed to praying, especially uh, for those who are in authority. And that section goes on to say that we should live quiet or peaceable, reverent, quiet lives uh, with all godliness and holiness and dignity, depending on the words uh, of your translation that we would live quiet, peaceable life with all godliness and reverence. And so my encouragement this year for us in 2021, that we as believers, and we, if we indeed are purposing to be committed disciples of Christ, that we would look like uh, what a believer should look like, that we would have the marks of a disciple of Christ. Let me say a brief word about your packets. I see some of you have packets with you, and that's outstanding. Surely not required, but let me just uh, comment on the packets. Uh, the packets have been posted uh, on Northern Hills website, and uh, they're available at the chapel, I know, as well. Thank you, Brother Phil, for making that all possible. I will not cover, I will not cover everything in the packet, just so you know. Uh, I will advertise ever so quickly for uh, the recorded Sunday school session um, during this Sunday school session that will be posted uh, later today, Lord willing, I will fill in some of the blanks of your packet there. We'll be looking at the process uh, during Sunday school uh, found in, in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, and we'll be looking at the imperative of Matthew 28. And so some of you I know want every blank filled in. 
And so if that's how you roll, we will uh, we'll be covering some of that material uh, in Sunday in the Sunday school session. But when we are together in all these sessions uh, moving forward, it's my desire that we would look at the seven marks, seven marks of a disciple of Christ. We saw in Matthew chapter 11, the invitation, uh, the invitation to come and receive salvation, number one, from the Lord Jesus, but not only to receive salvation, but to accept his invitation to be a disciple of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ. If I were with you, I would be uh, asking you, and I'll ask you even uh, on Zoom, I would encourage you to commit to memory the definition, the term uh, disciple. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. I didn't get it perfect last night by memory. Uh, but try to commit that, de that definition of the term or word disciple to memory. A student or learner of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ who not only learns what he thought, but who lives what he taught. Or you could just say, I don't want to memorize. I've done enough of that. Uh, maybe just remember two words if that's your mindset. Learner, liver. Grammatically not perfect, but it helps you remember. A disciple involves learning, cognitive, fully trained, uh, impartation. And a disciple involves at the same time um, lifestyle, living, becoming like or becoming as uh, the master teacher. We looked at thirdly last night, the invitation to join in yoked harmony uh, in service with the savior, uh, joining in yoke, yoked harmony in service with the savior. So three words, if you want, uh, salvation, discipleship, service, as found in the invitation of Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to our first mark or characteristic, uh, and that can be found both in Matthew and in Luke. We'll start in Matthew chapter 10 to, uh, this morning, Matthew chapter 10, and allow me to say this. Uh, each of these seven marks uh, we would often take when I would teach this class, we take a week or so on each mark. And so I'm going to try to take about 15 minutes or so on each mark, um, but much more uh, indeed could be said. And, and here's the idea. I would like to establish with you the mark. I'd like for you to see it from the text. And I would like for you to have a passage or two additionally that can support that mark. Uh, if you will, this morning and in our sessions together. So in Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 36 and, and 37, 37 specifically, uh, the Lord Jesus says this. And, and again, each of these marks or characteristics are, are part of the training of the 12. Uh, some of you remember uh, uh, a book with that title, The, Ch the Training of the 12. And, and some of these, all of these marks rather, are, are things that the Lord Jesus said specifically to the disciples. And I will highlight, and you will see, I trust, a phrase like this. If you want to be worthy of me, 
if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, Jesus will say, this needs to be seen and this needs to be evidenced. For your encouragement, it's all about the process. It's all about the process of, of taking these attributes, these character qualities, these marks, understanding what they are and striving after them each and every day that we might display these characteristics, that we might be marked for life. Having not only said, Lord Jesus, I want your salvation, but I also want to be your disciple. I want to learn and live what you thought and taught. And so, so Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, and we won't be looking at the complete context, and I'd encourage you to do that as well, but he does says, say this in verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Just one verse for our consideration. This first mark, uh, and for each of these marks, you, you'll have on your packets the mark defined. For example, mark number one, a relationship of supreme and incomparable love for Christ. At the end of each of the marks, I'll give you a three-word summary just to help you remember it even uh, uh, in a, a more simple or easy fashion. But mark number one is, is before us here this morning, a relationship of supreme and incomparable love for Jesus Christ. A relationship of supreme and incomparable love for Christ. And, and you'll notice what the Lord Jesus does in Matthew. The Lord Jesus in, in Matthew identifies key relationships. Key relationships, father, mother. Uh, he identifies son or daughter. Key relationships, family relationships, where ideally God's plan for the family is that there would be love displayed in these settings. That ideally... Uh, moms and dads and sons and daughters would be displaying, evidencing love for one another in the household. And so what the Lord Jesus is establishing in Matthew chapter 11 is the need to do a little comparison. Need to do a little comparison. And if you want it, if you're geared this way and you want to um, have a little homework, uh, here's something you could do. Take a sheet of paper or even on the back of one of the pages in the packet and at your leisure, make a list. Make a list of the things that you would say fall into uh, categories of things or people that you love. List them. Write them down. And obviously in Matthew, the Lord Jesus is suggesting mom and dad should be on the list. Son and daughter should be on the list. And so the idea is for us as believers to think about our love, our love, and to do a little comparison of all that we love, whether it be things or whether it be people. And the Lord Jesus says this, and these marks are, are convicting. I want to I uh, promise you that. 
they're convicting, but they're also encouraging. And Jesus says here, if you want to be worthy of me, that's one of those phrases. If you want to be worthy of me, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, if you want to come after me, we'll see that language over and over in all seven of these marks. This is what needs to be seen. Practical, uh, practical theology is crucial. Routine faithfulness is crucial. And I want to re encourage you in light of that as again this morning. These are goals that we should be striving after. And so it's not as if, you know what, I didn't love Christ supremely today. I can't be his disciple anymore. Uh, has nothing to do with the, uh, the loss of uh, standing or status, the loss of salvation uh, for sure, but also disqualification uh, as being a disciple. This is, uh, these are lifelong goals. They're overarching. And yet we need to be striving for these things. And so practically, when people see us, whether it's on Zoom these days, or as we interact in the grocery store, as we come and go, do they see the marks of Christ? As we are living quiet, peaceable, godly, dignified, or holy, or reverent lives, do they see Christ, the marks of Christ? Mark for life. What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ? So... So make a list if you'd like. Make a list of all those things that you love or all those people that you love. And, and where, honestly, would the Lord Jesus Christ be on the list? Where would you put him? And you might say that fluctuates from day to day based upon the evidence uh, that, that is displayed. But uh, ultimately, based upon the way you're living, the way I'm living, uh, can it be seen? Is it evidence that we love the Lord Jesus more than anything or more than anyone? Matthew establishes a comparison. Turn to Luke just for a moment. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And as you're turning, I, I, I was reminded, I am reminded of a song. I think Christy would probably remember this a song that, that we used to sing at, at the assembly we attended for decades together. Um, and uh, every service, we would sing at the close or somewhere along the way, the simple chorus, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. We know that chorus. By the way, uh, I miss singing with you all. Um, uh, Chris has graciously put music on before the session starts. And, and uh, some of you who are watching see me singing uh, in my office. Mute it, and that's, that's good for all. Um, but I do miss singing with you. It's one of the things we miss, isn't it? I've had all kinds of attempts to do singing over Zoom, and many of them have failed miserably. <laughs> Uh, I promise you this, quite comical to see some of the efforts that have been made uh, to make sure singing's maintained. It can be done. And I, I imagine you do it well at Northern Hills, but what a challenge. But uh, I was thinking of that song, I Love You, Lord. And, and this first mark really is asking us this question, do we really? Do we love him chiefly? I love that word. Do we love him supremely, incomparably, 
And in Matthew, the Lord Jesus says, if you want to be worthy of me, you need to love me more than anything or anyone. Notice what, what is found in Luke. In Matthew, we saw a comparison. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, we find these words. If anyone comes to me, and there's that expression. If you want to be worthy of me, if you want to be a disciple of mine, if you want to come to me, if you want to come after me, the Lord uses that language in every one of these seven marks. There's a pattern. He establishes what it ought to look like and or what it is and then communicates what it looks like. So here's the mark, supreme and incomparable love for Christ. And, and in Luke, Luke does a little bit of contrast. He, he uh, uh, in Luke, the Lord Jesus uses contrast in the language uh, we find in verse 26. He says it this way. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. Now, I, I promise you, when I've, when I've, taught this with college students or in a camp setting or in a setting similar to ours today and I read this verse, I can watch the eyes light up, especially with children, younger people, thinking, I have my verse. I have found my verse that tells me it's okay. It's okay to hate my brother. See, it says it. It's okay to hate my parents. The Lord Jesus mentions it here. Uh, as we uh, interpret scripture in light of scripture, a very important uh, hermeneutical principle, we know full well that we're not being taught here to hate. The Lord Jesus teaches the opposite of that, and the opposite of that is found all throughout scripture. And yet the word hate is used. It's used in the Old Testament. It's used in the New. I remember doing word studies when I had this uh uh, course in seminary looking at love versus hate and and in luke 14 the lord jesus is surely not teaching us to hate and so he's establishing uh, he's establishing by way of contrast how supreme our love for the lord jesus ought to be as if there was hate for other relationships and again he chooses family ones right this one even in greater detail father mother wife children brothers sisters even one's own life and then he uses this language at the end of verse 26 notice what he says he cannot be my disciple you know what that means in the original he cannot be my disciple it's that clear here the Lord Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, there, there are requirements. There needs to be evidence. There needs to be marks or characteristics that display this reality. We can't just say, and I've seen surveys say, uh, amazing surveys of young people uh, where they say, I want I want to... Uh, I want to make the most of my life and I want to follow God. I want to obey him. But they 
they see no connection between saying it and lifestyle. They miss the connection in these surveys that have done by Barna and other groups uh, uh, saying, I want to have Jesus be a priority of my life. And yet the connection of living your life in a way that supports that, uh, the surveys evidence there's uh, that connection is not being made. Staggering, really. And so here in Luke, the Lord Jesus is not teaching us to hate. He's by way of exaggeration, if you will, hyperbole. He's saying there ought to be hate because there's so much love. Uh, so much love. Supreme and incomparable love. This is displayed sometimes in the family unit. Imagine if, uh, and I know this has been the case at Northern Hills, you have more and more children. Well, if you're, if you look at crowd parents and the way they interact with their own children, it's obvious a lot of the time to see this kind of love. But when they look at other children, it seems as if there's hate. And that's not the case. There's not hate. They just love their kids supremely and incomparably. And that's a, that's a, a flawed illustration of, of what Jesus is saying here. There needs to be such supreme and incomparable love for the Lord Jesus that it seems as if hate indeed results. Now, I'm going to ask you to tune in this morning and unmute and try to do so, do so carefully and considerately with one another. And I'm going to actually start with the ladies. I'm going to start with the ladies and I'm going to ask you this. How is it? that we show love for someone else. And perhaps it for our exercise, think of your spouse or think of, uh, uh, think of your children perhaps, or think of a family relationship, but how do we show or how do we demonstrate love for our spouse, our partner, our family member? Let's, let's be gentlemen and allow the ladies to, to chime in first. Unmute and quickly respond, if you will. Service. Oh, go ahead. No, it's Ruth. Um, take time to listen to them. Take time to listen. I heard someone say service as well. What else comes to mind? Trying to do the things you know please them. And that 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 takes getting to know them, to do the things you know that please them, finding interest in what they're interested in. Uh, my wife watches more sports with me than she really chooses to. And I watch more HGTV with her than I choose to. That's just the reality. And so showing interest in uh, what the other might be interested in. Other responses? Spending time with them. Spending time. Spending time. I, I, I would suggest to you that as folks are sharing uh, ladies specifically right now, these are evidencing uh, the love languages that are out there. Some of you are familiar with this exercise and some aren't. If you want a test that you can take to identify your primary and secondary love language, let me know and I'll send it to you. Uh, but acts of service, quality time, um, uh, words of affirmation, uh, physical touch, giving of gifts, 
Those are the five love languages, love languages that are out there. Any others? Ladies, it's your turn. The guys are just waiting with bated breath to share how they show an evidence love for others. Encouragement. Encouragement. Love that. And we're going to talk about that uh, in our last session together, how we need to encourage one another. Any other ladies wanting to respond? Just make sure you unmute and uh, share with us, please. Praying for them. Praying for them. I love that. Amen. Praying for them. Uh, my wife, um, uh, my wife prays for me and our ministry so consistently. I often will send her a text. Hey, I'm about to start speaking. Pray for me. And you know how she responds? I am. And I love that. I know that she is. Any other ladies before we move to the gentlemen? Okay, guys, your turn. How do we show it? How do we demonstrate that we love someone? I would say um, learning to understand them. I appreciate that, Jack. Where Peter tells us that we should live with our wives in an understanding way, doesn't he? Uh, I love that. Yeah, some of you remember the King and I and that famous song, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. And so living in an understanding way. Uh, I appreciate that. That takes uh, diligence uh, and it's well worth it. Others, guys. Putting aside what you'd like to do to do what your wife wants to do. Thank you, Phil. That idea of selflessness, that idea of considering the other as more important than yourself, unconditional, uh, sacrificial, those words come to mind and, and ought to. What else, gentlemen? Here's your chance to wax eloquently. How about supporting uh, their outside interest? I appreciate that, Brother Joe. Supporting what they're interested in. Uh, whether that's within the home or outside interests, um, and, in, and encouraging them in that. Others, please. How do you I think one that's a little bit the opposite of what's been mentioned, especially for those with younger children, is giving them space when they need it, giving them time that they can choose to use as they see fit. Andy, you have a radio voice, brother. Has anybody told you that? <laughs> yeah, well done. And, then, and I think that's part of what Jack said earlier about understanding how they're wired and how they're geared and, and, and giving them the, the space sometimes that indeed is needed. Very good. Very good. Others that come to mind. How do we demonstrate love? Encouraging them in their gifts. Oh, I love that uh, statement. Understanding how they're gifted spiritually and naturally and encouraging them to use those gifts. That's so fun. So fun and appropriate. And harkens back to knowing what they're like and how they're wired and geared and, and gifted. Any, any other? Doing what they ask us to do. Oh, Evan, <laughs> the, seasoned, the seasoned veteran speaks. And I think that's as practical as it comes. Hearing... And, and some of us uh, would have spouses that, that would say that we don't hear very well or listen very well. 
but hearing and listening and then responding in accord. Uh, my wife sometimes will ask me this question. She'll say, John, where are you? Where are you? And I feel like sarcastically saying, hello, I'm right here. But I know what she's asking. I know she's asking me, okay, what are you planning right now? What message are you thinking over? And what, uh, what list are you making in your mind when I'm talking to you right now and wanting your attention, listening, uh, listening in, in an undistracted manner? Now, I will say the other day, we were trying to say something to Katie as I was taking the kids to school and we had to yell her name several times because she was on her phone. And we could, we were trying to say goodbye. So it goes both ways, right, sweet? Yes, yes, yes. Others, guys, how do we demonstrate it? How do we show that we love chiefly, supremely? That's the, an expansion on Evan's thing, doing things for her without her asking you to do it. <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. Um, the whole of the ability to, again, know and understand the ability to look and identify a need and take care of it before it's brought to our attention so lovingly and gently, uh, of course, <laughs> no doubt. We could go on and, and, and evidence or uh, share how we demonstrate that we love someone else how we show it, how we evidence it. And, and so it, it begs the question, how do we show an evidence that we love the Lord Jesus? I remember, I remember Prof Bailey teaching this lesson and he said, guys, uh, it wasn't all guys. He said to the, to the class, students, think about this. You're, you're having lunch with the Lord Jesus. And I know we have to think creatively for this one. We're having lunch with the Lord Jesus and he slides across the table a piece of paper and he encourages you to lift it up and look at it. But he says this, I've written down, I've written down all the marks or evidences that you love me more than anything or anyone. What would be on the list? What would the Savior say? That evidence is that we love him more than anything and more than anyone. We talked practically about how we show that horizontally with one another. And what your comments were spot on. And we could share more ways that we show or demonstrate that we love our spouses, our children, others. It can be seen. It's obvious. It's known. And so the question for us this morning as we consider mark number one is how do we show that for our savior? How do we show that for our, our great God that we love him supremely and incomparably? We as a family, we're going through uh, a program reading through the Bible. We're in the end of Exodus right now, not necessarily scintillating detail, uh, and it's repeated and, the, and, and so forth, but we're going through it nevertheless. And I, I recommend to you a, a great resource. It's entitled the, the Bible Project, The Bible Project. Maybe you're familiar with it. I wouldn't say we align perfectly uh, in every aspect of theology, 
but nonetheless, it's an outstanding tool. It's called the Bible Project, and it's a reading plan that we're going through, but they also have videos. They also have videos uh, that they've created. I think for the year, there's over uh, 100, closer to 150 videos. It is so well done. So well done. I'd encourage you to look at that resource, the Bible Project. But we were reminded as uh, the commandments were mentioned, of course, in Exodus, we were reminded uh, of the first two violations of the Ten Commandments, that while Moses was up on the mountain, what the children of Israel simultaneously were doing that violate the first two uh, commandments. What were they doing? Someone remind us. What were the things the children of Israel were doing that impact greatly uh, our God who is jealous? What were they doing? They didn't worship the golden calf. That's right. So they had they had idols, and so they they were <laughs> violating uh, any graven image, and they were worshiping someone other than God. And so we can see as we consider the Ten Commandments that our God is a jealous God. We were reading through that and Johnny appropriately said, wait a minute, how can God be jealous? Aren't we, uh, aren't we uh, encouraged and told not to be jealous? And so we had to talk about how our great God made us, created us, and desires for his creation to worship him and to worship him alone. He doesn't want us worshiping any other God. And he doesn't want us bowing to any idols, one and two of the Ten Commandments. He wants us desperately to love and worship him. I love what it says in, in John chapter 4, uh, that he longs for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what our God wants. He wants us to love him more than anything and more than anyone. And so we see that in the Ten Commandments. We see that in Deuteronomy and chapter 6 with the great Shema, right? What does that tell us in regards to how our God wants to be loved? We won't turn there. You know the passage. Perhaps Brother Steve Herzig has looked at this great text with you as well, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where they would tell their children all the time. They'd write it on the walls. They'd post it. And, and we do that with our family. We, we make these truths ever apparent to remind them of what they are supposed to do before they rise and as they go to bed and all throughout the day. What are they to be reminded of? That we are to worship God in what way? What does the great Shema tell us? Brother Phil, please. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Amen. We see that all throughout the text. All throughout the text from the, the beginning to the end that we have a jealous God who wants us to love him with every ounce of who we are. And so I'm practically asking at 940, and I know we need to get to mark number two as well. I'm practically asking you this question. Are we, 
in the midst of a culture of chaos where we're trying to walk worthy, are we displaying as consistently as possible with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course, and clinging to the promises of God, are we showing, are we evidencing that we love God more than anything and anyone? That we love our Savior, the Lord Jesus, incomparably and supremely. Now, let me share just a few more comments, and, and, and then we'll move on to Mark number two. We looked at the Ten Commandments, where God is a jealous God and wants to be worshipped, and, and that is demonstrated in our love for him, of course, as well. We looked at the great Shema that says we need to love God with all that we are and all that we have. The Lord Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, was asked to summarize the whole law, right? He summarizes the whole law by saying this, that we should do what? We should love God and we should love people. If you were to go on to Spotify or search how many Christian songs have that theme, you'd find so many. Danny Noki, for those who are interested, he has a song out right now, Love God, Love People. There was a group back in my day, and I'm dating myself, but that's okay. For him, they sang the group that the, a song uh, entitled The Center of the Mark, the bullseye is to love God and to love people. To love God and love people. You know how Paul summarizes the law in Galatians chapter 5? Does anybody know how he summarizes it? Jesus summarized it with two things. To love God and to love people. How does Paul summarize the law? In Galatians chapter 5, one, with one emphasis. You know what it is? Love people. Love people. Phil was about to unmute and say that. I saw it. Paul, that's how Paul summarizes the law. That if, if we're going to keep the whole law, that can be seen by loving people. Jesus says, here's the summary. Love God, love people. Paul says, here's the summary in singular fashion. Love people. Why is it that Paul could say that? And, and let me suggest to you by way of encouragement that if we are going to love people the way we are supposed to, if we are going to love horizontally the right way, we have to be loving vertically the right way. If I'm going to love my wife, Katie, the way I'm supposed to, and she could unmute and, and share right now. I don't do it perfectly. But if I'm going to love her the way I'm supposed to, if I'm going to love Johnny and Annie the way I'm supposed to, I have to be loving God the way I'm supposed to. It's not one or the other. It's both and. And I find that incredibly comforting because the truth is I love my wife and my children so, so very much. And I don't want to feel guilty for loving them uh, too much and, and failing in regards to my love for the Lord Jesus and, and, and my love for, for my great God. And so the beautiful thing is that if I really want to love them the right way, I need to love him the right way. And so we don't lose here. It's encouraging that as we love God, and the, our, our Savior the way we're supposed to, then everybody else wins. Then we love one another the right way too. 
So much more could be said, but mark number one is simply this, a relationship of supreme and incomparable love for Christ. Here's how it can be summarized. And the summary, by the way, is given to you in this packet as well. So fret not if you don't get it all right. But the summary is simply three words, love Christ best. Love Christ best. A supreme and incomparable love for Christ. In Matthew, Jesus says, let's do some comparison. Look at all the love relationships. I need to be the one on top. In Luke, the Lord Jesus says, let's do some contrasting. There should be so much love for me that in every other area, it should seem as if there's hate. Comparison and contrasting all to teach us to love Christ supremely, incomparably. Before we move to mark number two, any comments? Uh, and we'll have some time at the end as well, but any reactions or thoughts to mark number one? A supreme and incomparable love for Christ. Any comments quickly? Unmute and share if you'd like. If not, we'll move to mark number two. I think that is often shown by how we operate in the time that we have available. How much time is there for study of the word and so forth? Amen. Amen. Time is a great indicator of what we really love. We, we will do what we love to do. And, and how much of that uh, evidence is that we love our Lord Jesus. And so we spend time uh, with him. We talk to him. We listen to him through the leading of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the word. Uh, we serve. The list goes on and on. That's a great practical comment. How do we spend our time? Any other reactions? Please. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's important to uh, point out when you talk about God's jealousy, that God is not jealous, uh, uh, jealous, uh, how I say, jealous against, uh, I mean, jealous for, he's jealous for us, not jealous of us. And Absolutely I've heard, correct. I've heard a lot of people, they get confused and say, well, why is God jealous of me? Well, he ain't jealous of you. He's jealous for us. And That's the jealous right. for us is that he's got so much for us to have that he, you know, that the jealousy is there. And I think if you really think through that, that's, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it all because I don't have the time, but I'm just saying he's jealous for us, not of us. I think that's a great statement, Cliff, and, and a great reminder. The word jealousy there needs to be defined correctly. It's not that he's wanting anything we have because he doesn't have it and how we would normally uh, describe jealousy. He wants our love. He, he's, he's jealous for it and doesn't want us to be placing it any, anywhere else. I appreciate the clarification. I remember quickly my dad doing a series on the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've heard it along the way too. And he would take every commandment and flip it and share how it positively benefits us if we do this, and I love that, look at all the Ten Commandments and say, you know what, if I keep this commandment, how will that benefit me? And every one of them, there's a blessing and reward if we do things the way God wants us to. And that, it, that in, it is, relates to this uh, idea of our worship and love. 
that's how he designed it. Doing life God's way is the best way. So obey. We shared that last night. Any other comments as you're turning to John chapter 8? John chapter 8 for Mark number 2. John chapter 8 for Mark number 2. And we, we may pick up here in our next session as well. Um, I hope you're understanding that I'm trying to whet your appetites with these marks or characteristics. And you surely can dig deep and find all sorts of uh, correlating passages that support these marks. John chapter 8. The mark is entitled, A Regularity of Study and Devotion to God's Word. A regularity and study, a regularity of study, excuse me, and devotion to God's word. John 8, 31 and 32 is the central supporting passage for this mark. And we'll, we'll get this started and we'll finish it in our session tonight. Fear not, we'll get through these marks. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus therefore was saying to, to those Jews who had believed him, and, and there's, there's some good evidence for the progression of uh, after belief, living out the, the belief. Uh, as we consider Mark uh, number two, a regularity of study and devotion to God's word. Jesus therefore was saying to them, verse 31, to those Jews who had believed him. And then he uses an if-then statement. And these are seen in the, uh, the seven marks, the the condition of if and then if this happens then here will be the result and we can flip that as well if this doesn't happen then here will be the result look at what he says he says if you abide if you abide evan referenced this his last comment was a great segue to mark number two Spending time in God's word. And the word abide here is a great word to understand. It's an agricultural term. It's a, a term that uh, many a farmer in, in Iowa would understand. It's this idea of having something rooted or grounded deeply into the soil. The word abide. The word abide has to do with our relationship with the Lord Jesus, abiding in him, sometimes we would sing, and it also has to do with our responsibility with his word. And so the Lord Jesus, again, in John 8, 31 says this, if you abide, and, and give me some synonyms uh, quickly for the word abide, what other words come to mind? I appreciate the engagement. What other word would you think of if, you, if you're defining the word abide? Rooted. Rooted. Follow. Follow. Others? Continue. Continue. Continue is very appropriately. Stay, remain, continue, abide, rooted, grounded. That's the idea of this word abide. And and the Lord Jesus says, if you do this, if you, in regards to your responsibility with my truth, if you abide in my word, the Lord Jesus says, then, there's the then statement, then you are truly disciples of mine. 
We can't miss it in this one, my friends. Mark number two, he makes it very plain. If we truly want to be a disciple of his, what must be the case? We must abide. We must abide. And he's saying this to those who had believed. He's saying, if you want to be my disciple, a learner and liver of what Christ thought and taught, you have to be in my word. There's no shortcuts. There's no ATM for this one. We have to be those who abide in the word of God. And, and you, can, you can tell full well that mark number two is a mark that we could spend hours talking about. You'll notice in the packet, and here's a little homework for you. To, should you choose to accept this homework, you'll notice that letter A, there are verses that describe the characteristics of God. Letter B, there are verses that describe the benefits of reading God's word. Letter C, what we do with God's word. Moms and dads, family members, husbands and wives, I dare you to do this together. Take the time between now and the next session. I'm just kidding about that. But in the next week or so, take the time to look up these verses together and write down how they fit to their, uh, their headings uh, accordingly. It'll be a great reminder uh, of what God's word is and what God's word says about itself and, and the benefits that are ours when we do what it says. Uh, what a great practical exercise. A great practical exercise. I encourage you to, uh, to choose to accept that homework assignment. Look at how this section finishes, though, my friends. If we abide, there are positive results. Just like this handout, what does God's word say about itself? What are we supposed to do with God's word? What will be the fruit or the, the blessing or the benefits? Notice what it says in, in, verse, in verse 32. Not only in this if-then formula, not only will we be his disciples truly, but in verse 32, it says, you shall know the truth. So what is a result of abiding? Number one, we can be his disciples truly. Mark number two, we can know the truth. We can know the truth. You think there's a time, uh, this is a, a time for us to know the truth. We're living in, in a culture and society that says, really, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And here, the Lord Jesus says, if you spend time in my word, you'll be my disciple. Truly, you'll know the truth. And you know what that truth will do for you? That truth will set you free. Do you see the pattern here? And there, uh, if I had a couple more sessions on Mark number two, I would encourage you to, to, again, do the homework, but also just think of passages. Think of passages that demonstrate, here's what God's word says about itself. And if I do what I'm supposed to do with God's word, here's the positive result. Thy word is a what? A lamp unto my feet, my next step, and a light unto my path, the direction I should go. Thy word have I hid in my heart. What's the result of that? That I might not Martha. sin against thee. That's right. That I might not sin against thee. And so this pattern is here. Jesus says, if you stay, if you remain and continue in my word, 
guess what is true? You'll be my disciples, truly. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm going to ask you this question, and feel free to unmute and respond. What does the truth of God's word set us free from? What does it set us free from? Free from ourselves. <laughs> Amen. And, th and thank the Lord for that. Free from ourselves. The obvious answer is free from sin. It teaches us how we can how we can take care of our sin problem and how we can deal with sin as a believer. And so often we think of uh, the answer to this question that we're free from sin. But what else does it teach us that we can be free from? Think practically. The lies. Okay. There were a few there, one at a time as you're unmuted now. Free from what? The lies. <laughs> we did it together. Lies, I heard that. Lies, what else? Doubt. Doubt. I love that. Free from lies. Free from doubt. Free from worry. Free from anxiety. You think we need that today? And so there are all kinds of practical applications to the freedom that we find in God's word. Isn't it freeing to be able to say to someone who might be debating with you about any, any number of areas of life, and we can say, you know what, let's see what God says about that. Let's see what God says about that. The authority of God's word, and it frees you, it frees you from uh, debate. Now, I will say to you clearly, there's interpretation challenges, and so it's not uh, without challenge, but we can ultimately say, I say this to Johnny especially, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It frees us, it's a freeing book, the word of God. So Jesus says, stay, remain, continue in my word. Abide in my word. If you do that, You'll truly be a disciple. Do we truly want to be disciples? Guess what? If we're not in God's word regularly, if we're not studying it, meditating upon it, memorizing it, we are not qualified to be his true disciple. But if we are, we are. Isn't that encouraging? If we want to be his true disciples, we can spend time in his word. How many of you uh, receive... Uh, updates uh in regards to how much you use your cell anybody get those updates I, I i sometimes dread when that happens how often you spend time on your phone and we, our phones will send us these updates and sometimes we're dumbfounded by the hours that are on our devices and i love saying to my wife listen i use my device for work i'm working <laughs> That's why there's so much time on that phone. Imagine, imagine if we got updates in regards to how much time we spend in God's word. Not just reading it, but meditating upon it, chewing it, thinking about it over and over again, memorizing it. Do we want those daily reports, those weekly reports that share with us how much time we spend in God's word? I regret that our time is gone, but let me let me close with a 
a quick story and uh, our three word summary of mark number two. Uh, mark number two, again, a regularity of study and devotion to God's word. I'm in my office um, on the campus of Emmaus Bible College right now. If we went out my door right down the hall um, is where Emmaus Worldwide offices are. Uh, they just moved back in this past week. Um, to my left is the campus of Emmaus Bible College. And I was, I was just looking at my bookshelves to my left, and I, I see uh, a stack of Bibles. Stack of Bibles, some of which belong to my grandfather. I go to my office at home, and on the bookshelves at home, you know what are my prized possessions these days? My dad's Bible. And there's a stack of them. At home, my, I have my grandfather's Bible, and it is worn out, dear ones. It's worn out. And as I open the pages, you can see highlight colors of the rainbow. My grandfather had this method of highlighting everything that had to do with, with God's glory in yellow and highlighting everything that had to do with miracles in blue and highlighting things that had to do with God's creation in green and, and the colors of the rainbow. There's orange, there's red. As you turn the pages, the word is highlighted. It's highlighted and it's worn out. My grandfather would go through the word of God every year, some seven, eight, nine times a year. I told, I told my children uh, the other day as we were watching one of those videos that I referenced and then listen, listening to the text being read, I said, you know what? This reminds me of when I went to my grandparents' house and my grandmother was a phenomenal cook. She could cook like no other. And we would have a great meal on Friday nights. And you know what we would do? After a great meal, we would sit down on the floor and we would listen to Alexander Scorby read the Bible. Doesn't that sound scintillating for a, a, a great schooler? We'd have a great meal and we listen to the Bible on, on Reel to Reel or, or 8-track after that and then cassette. And I, I didn't love it at the time, but I sure love it today. I sure love it today to have those memories of listening to God's word. And I would come over to my grandfather's apartment, even when they lived in Dubuque, my uh, grandparents in the palace where my uh, mom and dad eventually moved into. Dad would call it the palace or the dying quarters. Uh, you can hear him saying that, right? <laughs> but when I would come to visit my, my grandparents, my grandfather especially, uh, my grandfather would say this, and he had a little bit of a list. I won't try to imitate him perfectly, but he would say to me these words, Johnny, read that book. Read that book. Almost every time he would encourage me that way. And that's our three-word summary of Mark number two, that we would be people who read that book my dad was famous for saying, make sure you keep your finger on the page. That we stay, we remain, we continue, we abide. 
and we didn't have enough time to look at all the passages that support it, uh, this mark, but you have many uh, in your homework, so I, I challenge you to do so. Mark number one, love Christ best. Mark number two, read that book. Comments, thoughts, questions, our time is gone, uh, but uh, your time is yours, and so I'm going to stay. Any reactions to either of these marks that you would like to share in our, uh, our time of discussion? John, as you've said about the supreme relationship and incomparable love of the Lord Jesus Christ, what came to my mind is something I want us to be aware of. There is a wide range of how we live as the Lord's disciple. There is a wide range of how we live as the Lord's disciple. There are many activities, ministries, associates, lifestyles, affiliations that we can have and still be the Lord's disciple and living as he wants us to live. We can love him supremely. We cannot demand or expect conformity in our behaviors in all areas of our lives. We must not judge one another for differences as far as those different areas, uh, the differences that we have. And we don't want to ask the question, how can you be doing that, whatever that is, and still love the Lord <clears throat> supremely? There's a wide variety. There's a wide range of things that we can do and still love the Lord and love him completely. I appreciate that, Phil, very much so. Um, it, it takes a different look, but at the very core is uh, abiding, abiding in his word, and, and that being the, the authority we follow. And needing to demonstrate that in all those settings you, you highlighted. I appreciate that. Other responses? A reading a regularity of God's word. We talked about uh, freedom. I set you free freedom from. We didn't mention freedom to. Freedom to love. Freedom to live in God's grace. Freedom to extend that grace to others. Amen. Uh, Amen. I so appreciate these comments. Keep them coming. We need to encourage one another as we're trying to be marked for life evidencing these characteristics of a disciple of Christ, walking worthy in a culture of chaos. Well, here's, a, here's one to encourage, I hope. Um, it uh, reveals some things. But this was the year when I lost my oldest son. Not something you think is ever going to happen, but there it was. That was the Lord's pleasure to take him home, and I know I'll see him again, so I'm not worried about that. But one of my greatest treasures is a is a eight and a half by eleven piece that, that he wrote. Uh, he wrote both one to Juanita and one to me, and the title of it is a tribute to my father. And then he did a tribute to my mother. And the, the thing that really struck me was how much he observed in what I was doing. 
And I didn't know that I was communicating that much, but he, he knew that when I had a decision that I had to make or a problem that I had to deal with, the first place I turned to was the scriptures. And he knew that I read them. I knew that I did that for all the, all the years of my walk that he had seen. And he watched and he saw it. And I just would encourage us to this, that the, our kids watch and they see and, and they understand. And I doubt that I communicated that very much, but it, it was a desire to be a disciple of the Lord. And how many times I've failed in that? That's not a, you know, consistency is a great word, but it's not so easy to be 100% on. And yet that is something that our children watch and they know what we're consistent about and it becomes a blessing to them. So don't be discouraged in the steady things that you're trying to do. Just keep going. Amen. But keep on keeping on, John. Amen. Some, We've heard that before. Yeah, somebody <laughs> else I know used to say that all the time. That's right. And we continue to say it. Any other comments? These comments are rich and, and of grand encouragement to me. Um, I love interacting with you all. I think that's so healthy for us. And and I sure need it. So keep the keep the comments coming if you'd like. Um, just a thought that we cannot abide in him unless his word abides in us. Amen. The continual love for God that he gives us because of the relationship we have with his son is something to be grateful for. Amen. You're emphasizing that as well. I didn't mention this, but I will now just real quickly, and maybe I'll highlight this more uh, in the coming session. These all complement one another. They overlap. Um, these marks or characteristics. They're not standalone characteristics or marks. Uh, they all complement one another and and uh, they're all part of striving after what the Lord Jesus thought and taught. So we'll say more about that in the coming sessions. Any other comments? It's great to be with you all this very morning. We're going to record a, a Sunday school session in the, the coming moments, and then we'll be back together uh, this evening, Lord willing, as well. But any additional comments before, uh, uh, before we close this session? Why don't, we, uh, why don't we just close in prayer then, my friend? Father, we're grateful. We're grateful for your son, the Lord Jesus. We're grateful for the lessons he taught the original disciples, lessons that we find in your word for us by way of practical application as well. Father, we uh, have not arrived. We want to press on and continue to grow in your goodness and grace. Help us to become more and more like Christ until we see him face to face. Until then, may, may we, with your help, with all humility and with uh, gentleness, may we display these marks. May we live uh, 
quiet, peaceable, reverent, godly lives, reflecting the marks of a disciple of Christ. Help us, Father, to love you more than anything and, and anyone. Help us to, to love people as we ought to as well. And may we be reminded that they are not diametrically opposed. Uh, they are both in. We need to love you in order to love people. Uh, and so help us to do both well, we, we pray. Father, help us to be those who read that book, to keep our fingers on the page, to abide, stay, remain, continue, as we see all throughout the text, as we see in the epistles of John, as we see in Psalm 1, Psalm 19, all throughout the text, as we perhaps even consider our homework in this section. May we be those who abide, that are truly your disciples, that know the truth, and that truth brings us freedom. We praise you uh, for the privilege of being disciples of your son. Help us to walk worthy in a culture of chaos, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings.